0: So hello you lovely lot. I'm so glad you're here today and this is going to be a really interesting one because um I have the lovely Laura here with me and um Laura's going to help us sort of talk about all things finances. And I think the problem is with our kids is that and sort of sometimes with our being being parents, we don't know how much We should be sharing or teaching our children um, about money, about what I want to talk about is entrepreneurial spirit. But let's just see where this goes. Let me introduce Laura Weston, who, after enjoying 20 years in a career with one of the world's largest banks, Laura has founded a, a financial coaching business called Savvy Peacock's. Laura is also a co-parenting mother of three delightful children and one rather bouncy one-year-old puppy. So it's a good thing that she's actually, she she works well when she's busy. Savvy Peacock supports families to break down the taboo subject of money within the home throughout a collaborative learning process for, I hasten to add, both parents and children. And they have a mission to increase financial literacy across the UK through future generations working with children as young as five-year-old and up to 21-year-old. And I know that there are some 20-somethings that also might benefit from listening to this. So, Laura, thank you, my love. Thank you so much for being here. This is, um, it's a topic that sort of you either sort of know, well, you're either confident to sort of talk about or it's a bit sort of la-la-la-la-la. So I'm so glad you're here to sort of, as you say, break the taboo. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Kai. I'm really interested to talk about
1: this subject with you because you're quite right. There is quite a differing of array as to how people approach this. And quite a lot of people don't like talking about money, which, um, of course, then has an impact on our children and what they know. So I'm looking forward to sharing some gems with you today.
0: Because I think it's quite interesting because I think how we are parented about money does have an impact on how we operate as adults. And I sort of do remember that my mum was very much budget, 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 make sure you've got sort of all your ducks in a row, make sure you sort of put some some away for saving and do this. And my dad sort of often used to sort of see me struggling and used to sort of, you know, bung me a little sort of handful of sort of pound notes in those days or fivers and just sort of saying, listen, you should be all right with that, which was absolutely wonderful. And I relied on on my emergency funds from dad, but it didn't actually teach me very healthy sort of money tactics, I must admit. So I think how we parent will have a big impact. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it definitely does. And
1: I'm in a similar boat to you. I was encouraged to go out to work from age 13 and I was working on a flower stall and loving it because I was earning quite a lot of money at a young age, to be fair, which I think was a great ethos that my parents encouraged me to do. But what was missing was what to do with that money. So at that age, I was just desperate to earn it and spend it, earn it and spend it as soon as I could. And looking back now, if I'd had the education around what I could have done with that money, then it might be that my teenage years would have been very different. And funny enough, I actually think that I probably would have ended up being an entrepreneur much sooner than... (laughs) 37, which is where I am now.
0: <laughs> so you're quite right, because I was on a clubhouse room yesterday. And I think the topic of conversation is what should we be teaching or what should schools be teaching our kids now? And I have harped on about this a lot because, I mean, I did double maths at A level, which sounds sort of to those who aren't sort of mathematically minded, sort of quite impressive, perhaps, I don't know. Very impressive. Yeah, but the majority of people say, well, what the blimmin' heck are you doing with that? And the answer is, well, nothing, absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing. And so, you know, school tends to sort of specialise us quite quickly. And even though I was a numbers person, I wouldn't say I was particularly sort of financially savvy, which is, is a real sort of a real shame. But, you know, what came out of this Clubhouse chat was the things that we do need to teach our kids, and one of them, as you are and here, here we are today. Not only let's teach our sort of kids financial confidence and sort of you know how to budget and and financial sort of intelligence, but it it is it's about what you can you know. We also talk about well here, my kids are getting an allowance, an allowance to go and buy their trainers or to budget for nail varnish or to you know but not really, well, let's give them an extra fiber and and see if they can save it, because we we don't tend to have that mentality, do we?
1: No, and it's funny, there's two things I want to say on this. The first thing is, I don't actually believe that financial literacy should be taught within schools. Oh, interesting. for For a few reasons. So first and foremost, I believe that financial literacy is a life skill Um, that should be taught within the home or within extracurricular activities outside of the schoolwork, because I think it's something that could actually be really fun. um, And it's a really good opportunity to share with your children what an amazing life skill it is and where it can lead you. Um, And I think that comes better from either an expert coming in and teaching your children or through yourselves as a parent, Because of course, if it's taught in school, it's going to be taught by a teacher and potentially that teacher has no financial expertise, in actual fact could be in a financial situation themselves, could have their own money blocks, and may well not be comfortable talking about that subject. So I'm actually on a mission to get it talked about within the home um, and as a life skill that's taught, similarly to how we all work towards teaching our children how to swim I think it's the same thing. It's a life skill that our children need to learn. Yeah. Um, And then secondly, to what you've just said about how you're um, educating your children as to what to do with that money, absolutely, but also about how they're gaining that money as well. Um, And I've got quite a controversial approach around pocket money and allowances, if you've just mentioned there, is, again, I think it's great to teach your children how they can make money themselves. Um, not just through because they feel like they're entitled to it because they get an allowance every month and then they can go ahead and do what they want to do with that money. Um, I I think it's really great to teach children how to use the money they've got to either better themselves or bring more money to them, create more wealth um, and display to them how they can go out and, and earn their own money through either a service or a product. And that's where the entrepreneurial spirit piece comes in, which I know we're going to talk about.
0: Okay, so you say it's controversial. What's controversial about that? Because uh, you know, I I agree that sort of you know it, it's it's um you know it, it's it, it's not always great just to sort of say here's your five quid a month, twenty five quid a month because you know I'm the one with the purse strings. Um, you know, because as parents we've likely sort of earned it in, in one shape or form. So surely, surely we should be teaching our children that they too can earn it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what's controversial is I don't believe that children should be given pocket money or an allowance. I believe that we should be giving them the skills or the understanding on how they can earn money. And that could also be within your family home as well, by the way. I know there's lots of parents out there that might sort of monetary award their children for making the bed or stacking the dishwasher. I don't believe in that either. But if there's an opportunity, let's say I want to go and get my car washed, I should be able to say to my children, look, I'm going to go down the road and pay for someone else to wash my car, or I can pay you to wash my car if you if you want to spend the next half an hour doing that, and I'll give you £8, the same as I would have given the guy down the road £8. So it's those extra bits within our our families that you could maybe use as a, a monetary exchange, should we say, rather than re-
0: rewarding children with money. Okay, got you. Right. Yeah, well, that's – yeah, I mean – Yes, that 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 sort of sounds sort of a hell of a lot. I I mean I I'm sort of thinking I I was sort of my my own brain went off on a tangent where I was sort of remembering one time when my son was um sitting his eleven plus, and um it was just sort of you know one mum sort of saying as he came out, do you think you've earned enough to get your sort of I think it was two hundred pounds for your for, and and it was like. Seriously, this little child who is 10 years old has just come out and he's probably knackered. He's probably just sort of feeling as though he's, you know, j- just just wants to curl under a rock or have a hot chocolate. And there's mother sort of immediately thinking, how worthy do you think you are? And will you get the money you, you you know, you really want for the grade you've achieved? And and I think we'd sometimes fall into that group, isn't it? So, you know, for G- GCSEs is for, well, in my day, it was sort of O levels, but for, and it's not even on A grades now, it's numbering, isn't it? But for every grade, sort of top grade you get, I'll give you X pounds and and it just sort of drops from then. So we're putting the wrong value on both money and studying, surely.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually cringe at that. Um, and it was something I experienced for my GCSE. So, you know, if there are any parents out there that have done that, it's not, it's not wrong, but I would say that you are delivering the wrong messages yeah. around money and monetary reward. And there's a piece before that. Around educating your children to have pride in getting those results and to be proud of themselves and proud of their accomplishment, regardless of what monetary value might be attached to them and, and what money they might might get off of that, um, I, I'm I'm not sure I buy that, and I'm not sure it's something
0: I want to do with my children. Yeah, exactly. But I, I mean, it, it's something that I was brought up on. and You're quite right, and I just remember. My sort of granny sitting there, sort of with a pen poised, going, "How much do I write for?" You? And I just sort of thought, "Hurrah!" Because for me, it was sort of you know money on a plate because I'd done all the effort and it had it had all gone, you know. So I w- this was just a windfall for me. But it's still, it, as you rightly say, it, it it does sort of paint the wrong message. But I think this is the thing that a lot of us do reward and and it's sort of because it's been ingrained in us hasn't it we we reward kids with money because that's how we see it as if you work very hard you will get your sort of you know financial recompense at the end of it and maybe we need to sort of address that balance and teach our kids as you sort of say more about the fun and the creativity side of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, generational, you know, everything that we do with our children is because of something we've been taught throughout the generations, whether that's our immediate parents, or maybe our grandparents. Um, But yeah, I think it's just, it's just to think about what additional message that could be giving your child and what, what, what approach that might give them towards money. Um, And for things like, Exam results, you want them to have good exam results because that's going to give them a great sense of pride. It's going to set them up for their Mm. future, not because they're driven to earn more money. Um, And funny enough, I actually heard a story last week of somebody that pays their children to read books. And that just made me cringe because I just thought, you know what? I want my children to learn to read because that is a life skill that they've got to have, and they can have much enjoyment. I was going to say, it's got from reading reading
0: books. That's again saying, painting the message of even though this is horrid, I'm going to make it easier for you, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Actually, let's teach
1: you how to enjoy reading rather than forcing you to read, even though you don't like it. It's okay because I'm going to give you five pounds every time you finish that book. No, let's stop and teach them how to enjoy reading a book and the benefits that come from that.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my word! So okay, we're we, let, let's you know for those of us who are sort of cringing and, t- and curling our toes and going, "Oh, flip's sake, another parenting thing I've done wrong." Let's remove the mum guilt. Um, how do we do that pattern interrupt? How do we sort of change this? What what what? How would you sort of guide us to go? Okay. Let's just start creating a different story then.
1: I think what we need to be doing is talking about money within our families and within our home, rather than it having a monetary exchange between parents and children, involving them in money decisions um, and involving them within money conversations so that they're not scared to talk about money as they grow up because it's something that they've understood and learnt about from you as a parent. Um, And a great example of this, if I can share, is if you are budgeting for your weekly shopping, and most of us do a weekly shop, being involving the children within what you need to buy, what meals you want to eat that week, and therefore what's in the cupboards, what do you need to buy in additional. Okay, so we spend £100 a week, what do we need to buy? How close are we to that budget? What extra things can we buy? And with online platforms and, you know, Tesco's and Asda and things like that, so easy for them to be involved within that. Um, And that's a great example of how you can share with them budgeting and what you can do with money. That's a simple example.
0: Yeah. And I was just sort of thinking because we had a late delivery on a Tesco shop yesterday and um (laughs) I I, I sort of tend to sort of do the 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 WhatsApp message you know what uh, Tesco delivery is sort of coming what what do you want to put into it and you're quite right and and because I've got a house full of 20 somethings the thing that was sort of coming out was beer gin and wine and I was sort of going yeah but come on guys we you know it it can't all revolve around that and it is is you're quite right it's it's finding that balance and um you know, sort of establishing, what well, not the sort of what we can't and what we can have, but it's it's just actually, and it's not even sort of saying, can we afford it or can't we? It's just letting them know that actually these are the things that in future they're going to have to be thinking about as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that it, it doesn't just appear there. Yeah. There is a process and that you can be involved within that. Um, and something like food shopping is is a bit of one of those subjects that a lot of people don't actually budget for. They yeah. just kind of spend what they want on food. They see food as a necessity. And so we've just got to kind of spend whatever we need. But actually, if you're really quite strategic with it, and you're careful with what you're spending your money, and you get, um, what's the word? You get You get interested in approaching it in a different way and be creative with what's available to you, then... Um, it's quite easy to to budget around things like that, and I just think again that's just a life
0: skill that would well, be great to share with your children. You're quite right because my kids have been here for a while now; they're living at home um, and, until sort of lockdown eases, and I, I think that's sort of you know thankfully coming to an end. But we were sort of talking about this, and so one of them just sort of said, "Oh, I'm saving absolute fortune," and I'm still sort of going, "Oh, goody, right? We'll just share more." And it was basically well, I'm not just sort of picking up a Starbucks sort of latte, or I'm not just having you know the 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 lunch the takeaway lunches um, at Pret any longer. And so suddenly you realise how much more is in your account. Yes, they're still working, so you know the the the, the salary is sort of coming in. But suddenly it's realising, and, and clearly Bank of Mum and Dad as well. You know they're not paying the sort of you know the utilities, the sort of you know the heating and stuff um and so they are sort of seeing that their little pot of money grow sort of and so it's a sort of oh well hang on a minute when i get back into the big wide world how can i maintain that so it's quite useful actually just sort of seeing how our spending habits over lockdown have changed for an ex- for example but also how we can just be slightly more savvy about what's going on
1: yeah, I mean, something you could do on that is compare your bank statement from, let's say, this, you know, January 2020 yeah. in comparison to now. And what you could almost do is say, okay, well, normally I'm spending £100 a month on Costa Coffee, which yeah. is a lot, but it does happen, especially it's, if you're yeah. going into a workplace. And okay. so, I'm not spending that anymore. So I'm going to put that hundred. I'm not going to leave it in my bank account for me to think about spending elsewhere. I'm going to put that hundred pounds into a separate pot for, let's say, treats. I believe in having a treat pot. I don't believe you should go without. So you know, you're not spending that money anymore. So get used to putting that money elsewhere, which you can use it for greater good or use it for another purpose later on. Because if it stays in your bank account, you probably will find a way to use it. It, and it
0: always tends to disappear, doesn't it?
1: Exactly. When it's good old Amazon that are making a fortune out of us in lockdown, oh. where it's easy to have things
0: delivered to the home. It, it, you're quite right. But now listen, so I, I, I know what I do so definitely want to talk about. So a slight segue is, um, teaching our children and I know a a lot of us don't because I was sort of guilty for it for a while is talking about you know I know we're sort of talking about budgeting and sort of you know where our money's going and just sort of a little bit about financial literacy but for teenagers it's so important for them to understand this thing called credit rating now tell us a bit about that I cannot tell you how
1: important this is. Um, so please stop me if I'm going off on one, but I'm so passionate about this subject. So it is your most precious asset. <clears throat> Sorry, Kai.
0: That's right. Because I think the thing is, is that when I grew up, I didn't know about it. Um, and, and it was, you know, and it's sort of things like, well, I didn't have a credit card for a while because I sort of didn't really need one. and And, and so actually, not being funny, the, the world out there didn't really know that financially I existed. So t- tell us about, the, about credit rating.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize, even adults, let alone teenagers, that it is your most precious asset. For me, it goes above owning a home, having investments, having savings, everything. For me, it's your most precious asset. And it's something that can have a really negative impact on your future life if you don't look after it. So I was really lucky to learn this when I joined the bank at 18. Um, But there were lots of my friends out there that were going off to university that weren't educated. They ruined their future by simply not understanding that credit cards or student loans, for example, could have an
0: impact. So so for, for a start, let's just go back then. What is a what is a credit rating? Where does it come from? How does it get created? You know does it it doesn't get created when you're born, does it? You know wh- wh- where where does it come from? Why is this thing suddenly so very important that it seems to have materialized from nowhere and we don't actually know sort of how it happened, but and i I should have been guarding it, but I didn't know that I needed to, and I didn't even know what it was. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So a credit store goes live the minute you turn eighteen. So it's something to be talking to your 16 and 17 year olds about as as they grow older. And it's something that is created based on where you live. And it's all linked through your name, your address, your national insurance number, everything like that. So you could, there's nothing really you can relate it to being similar, but it's like a profile of you. Um, And it's something that sits there. Within a, um, a platform, there's a few platforms that are available. This is the bit that people find confusing because there's a few different ways, a few different platforms that measure your credit score. But the most popular ones are Experian and Equifax, and they sort of hold this scoring of your financial literacy and your your credit scoring. Um, and it will assess how well you do money, how well you uh, manage your money, um, what credit facilities you might have it knows everything to do with anything in your name. So it will know all every single bank account, every single credit agreement, and anything to do with money that happens in your name linked to your address, which is another really important point to make because a lot of people turn 18 and then they have their linked address as their university address, or maybe somewhere that they're staying near university. Um, and I would urge you to not do that. So if you're going to go off to university and you've got your student bank account, keep your home address as your parents address and have a correspondence address as your your address near university, because your home address is the only one that's going to have a direct impact on your credit score. And the reason I say that is because you could be linked to an address. Let's say you're at university in Leeds. You could be linked to an address where someone previously might have had bad credit. And then your name is linked to that address, which could have a negative effect on your credit score the minute you go off to university, which is the
0: scary thing. Whoa. And so, I mean, the thing is, is that very few people tell us this. And I know that we I, I remember my first actually, you're right, my first bank account and um I was so proud of it. And I, and I, I basically walked into um, my I, I went to Bristol. I walked into my bank at Bristol, said, please, can I start my account, you know, sort of sitting there with a check to open it? And, and they say, where do you live? And I told them. And it happened to be my hall of residence. Well, for flip's sake, that's no bloomin' news to man the beast, really, as far as a credit score is concerned, is it? No, but unless someone tells you, no, no you one not tell- know. Yeah. And it was basically and I think it was basically, well, this is where I want all the correspondence to go to. So, yeah, that's where I live. And no one had the 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 when they would have the financial knowledge, but no one had the back then because it was quite a long time ago. But they didn't have the sort of the sense to say, now, then, dear, let me just give you a little bit of advice here, Um, which, well, you know, there we are. I've got to say, I
1: mean, it's the same as if you choose to open anything joint with anybody. So the minute you open anything joint with somebody, like a joint bank account, you're automatically linked to them within your credit score. So again, going to that pivotal point of when you're going off to university, maybe in year two, you want to do a house share with a couple of your friends. Quite often, I would see friends coming into the bank wanting to open a joint account in two or three of their names And the danger with that is then you are then linked to that person from a credit scoring point of view. And so if they aren't as good with money as you, then that could have a negative effect. Same as if you go off and start a relationship and you want to get a joint account with a partner because you want to, to start living together. It's exactly the same.
0: So how do we protect this? Laura, what do we do?
1: Well, First and foremost, I think it's really important that you review your credit score on a monthly basis. Um, I use ClearScore, but there's loads of options available to you. But I do this for two reasons. I want to make sure that my credit score is increasing or at least staying static. Um, But also, I want to ensure if it is decreasing, what's causing it to decrease. And at the same time as that, I will look out for anything that's not supposed to be on there. And the reason I say that is because identity theft is becoming more and more common. And one of the easy ways to pick up identity theft is to check your credit score because you'll be able to see who's opened what in your name. So if you go into your credit score and see that a bank account's been opened at Nationwide, but you've not set foot in a Nationwide store in your life, then you know potentially somebody has taken your identity and opened an account in your name. Um, And the credit report is the easiest way to pick that up. So that's the reason why I would say go in every month. Um, As far as like joint accounts and being affiliated with other people, I would just be open and honest with the conversation around money, being really careful about who you open joint products with. I wouldn't urge you to open a joint product with somebody like a friend if you were going off to university. But of course, there may well be a time when you want to open a joint account with a partner because you're going to move in with each other. But just have those money, money conversations before you even move in together, before you even start that conversation. Make it all part and parcel. Make sure you've got the same approach towards money um, and that you both understand how important it is and how important your credit score is.
0: So what does a credit score look like and what does it range from? And when do we start thinking about alarm bells? You know, when we sort of see a score, is it out of 10? Is it a percentage? Is it, you know, tell us more about that. So you'll tend
1: to see a score out of 999. um, And the goal is to get it as big as possible. Um, I would say when when you go in to check your credit scoring, it has like a traffic light system very often. So if you're hitting 500, then you're going to get a a greenish light. And then as it goes up through past 500, then it's going to come into, that's an excellent credit score. So anything sort of from around 800 upwards will be classed as an excellent credit score. But if you can aim for something between 500 and 800, then that sets you in a good place.
0: Because for for a lot of parents who are sort of sitting there thinking, oh, for flip's sake, yes, I was paying my child for GCSEs and now you're telling me that I've got to help them with their credit score. For goodness sake, I don't even know what mine is. And looking at it on a monthly basis is really scary. So I think the thing is, is it, it's important for anyone thinking along those lines is, well, actually, ignorance is not always bliss, is it?
1: No, ignorance definitely isn't bliss. And this isn't a moment to be an ostrich and keep your head in the sand This is something that you need to plan to do every single month. And if you do subscribe to something like I do, they'll send you alerts and they'll automatically send you your credit report. So it's a really good opportunity to sit down and have a look and and see what's going on. So there are a few things to watch out for if you'd like me to share with you now. Yes. So check that your payments are showing as all on time. So it will dictate to you on the credit report, that you are paying your payments. When I say payments, I mean like your bills um, on time. So that's really important. And it, again, should have like a little traffic light system. Check that all the accounts are valid and that they're showing the correct values. Um, and really ensure that the credit searches that are on there, that they're accurate and that you gave the authority for that credit search to happen. So every time you enter into a credit agreement or open a financial product, the chances are someone's going to do a credit score on you. And so you should have to give your authority for them to do that credit score. So if you haven't authorized it, then you can go back to that provider and say, well, hang on a minute, you've done this search and I haven't authorized you. The reason that that is important is because the more searches on your credit report, the worse it looks. Oh, okay. So, just be really selective over how many people you allow to do a search on you. Oh,
0: interesting. Because we're, we're going through this as a family because mum is moving, she's sort of selling her house and she's moving into sort of um, residential. And so there's sort of, you know, guarantors and stuff, and they're doing credit searches, obviously, on us. Um, you know, but it, it's important, A, that they're valid, isn't it? And B, that, um, you know, we know who's sort of peering into our sort of financial business for want of a better phrase. Of course. And also the other thing to think about is
1: that if you, if someone's going to do a search and you could potentially get declined from that credit facility, then that will also not look great on your credit report either. So a lot of institutes offer what they call a soft search, where they'll have a little peek into your credit score, but they won't actually put a mark against your credit score So they'll have a quick peek in and say, oh, yeah, there's a high chance that I'm going to be able to offer this credit facility for you. Let's go for a full search. So a lot of providers do offer that as well. So if they do, then that may be a good approach, because if they look in and think "Mm, the chances are I'm not going to be able to offer this to you, then it's better not to do a full search because it will put like a black mark against your name if they do the search and then decide not to offer the credit to you.
0: So therefore, um, I'm just sort of thinking about students and sort of kids who are wanting, um, for argument's sake, um, credit cards. So if they sort of apply for um, five or six different credit cards, hoping that one or two will sort of accept them, is that going against their credit score?
1: It is, yeah. Yeah, that is going against their credit score because they're having five or six searches done. And then the chances are probably by the third or the fourth Company, yeah. they're probably not going to do it because they can see that that individual's trying to get a credit card, co- credit, credit card yeah. everywhere. Yeah. um The good thing with students is that if they are going to op- ask for a student bank account from their bank of choice, then a lot of the time, um, a student overdraft and a student credit card will be offered as part of that package, regardless okay, got of your you. credit yeah. score. So that's probably a a good place to start. Um, And I certainly wouldn't encourage students
0: to have more than one credit card. Okay. when going back a little bit, then when should we start opening a bank account for our kids? When should we do that? What a question. Okay, so um, children can have their own bank
1: account from age 11 in their own name with their own debit card. But before that, you could have an account in their name as like a beneficiary almost, so like a children's account, but it doesn't come with a debit card or anything until age 11. So what you can do is you can set them up a bank account, let's say when they're three or four even, in their own name, and that sort code and account number can stay their same sort code and account number forever because every time they get to a new age, it will just automatically upgrade. So it'll stay as a children's account, let's say from age four, then age 11, it will switch and they'll get a debit card. And then at age 18, it will switch again to a normal bank account, which of course, then they will have the opportunity to change to a student account if they choose to go to university. And then when they graduate, it will go back down to a graduate account. And then after three years after graduation, it will go back down to a normal adult bank account. So, if you haven't got a bank account for your child yet, I would suggest getting one as soon as possible through a high street bank, maybe where you bank, because that will be then their sort code and account number for the rest of
0: their life if they want it to be. Okay, I, I'm just thinking so selfishly now. I I opened, um, gosh, it's a while back, building society accounts with my kids, um, and um i think they sort of obviously sort of got transferred but they're just sort of sitting there doing nothing is there any harm in having little accounts sort of stashed away under your kids names that are sort of not really doing anything or should they be closed off and and you know cuz d- does it sort of put a score there or does it ra- raise a flag that there's sort of something just in no i
1: mean if it's in their name then it will go as part and parcel of their 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 makeup and their credit scoring and their profiling um, what I would say is what are the plans for that money? You know, if it is a long-term lump sum that you want them to be able to use when they're older, then sitting in a building society is not going to help anybody because it yeah. won't be beating inflation. It's just sat
0: there in cash. Um, and maybe you could do something a bit more innovative. I, I think with in it. fairness, we drained it. So it's sitting there with pounds, chilling and pence, and it's not really doing anything. Okay.
1: So in that case, what I would say is another tip Tip within your credit scoring is being careful with what facilities you close down. It's almost better to have it sat there open oh in their name, because if you close it, it sends a little reminder to your credit score to say, oh, this person used to have this account and now they've closed it. Um, and it almost sends like a little negative message. Same with credit cards, actually. So this might be a good Sort of lesson for any parents that are listening out there: that if they've got a credit card and you've taken the time to pay that off, we've all been there. Yeah. You know, we've we, we've been there in a position where we've had a debt on a credit card. The best thing you can do is still leave it open. Don't be tempted to respend on it. You know, you cut the card up if you need to, but just keep it open because it actually looks worse on your credit score if you start closing down credit facilities
0: that's a note to self because i had a business or i yeah it was a, an account a credit card account i used for business and it kept on bouncing everything because and their view their their opinion was well we wanted to be you know we wanted to make sure and we wanted to make you know which was fine but i just got to the stage where i couldn't rely on it and i was so tempted to close it down but actually laziness just oh I'll listen cut the card up and we won't use it ever again but actually in hindsight listening from what you just said that was the right thing to do yeah
1: yeah and even if you want to keep it live reduce the limit down so you're not tempted to start racking up huge amounts of debts again you could reduce it right down to 500 pounds and if you want to keep the card in a drawer in yeah. the you know in the living room, then you've got that there as an that's emergency, true. or maybe yeah. you could use it if you went on holiday um they do say that one of the best things you can do with credit scores it is to spend only up to thirty percent of your credit limit on your credit card, so maybe keep that in mind if you've got an old one that's just going to sit there until you use it again
0: wow that's you see this is so interesting because it's these little tips that sort of the majority of us don't really know anything about so it's thank you for this um, so so we yes we open up the conversation with our kids yes we teach our children a little bit more about sort of financial sort of um well not just security but uh, you know intelligence um and and to make it fun and to make it a, a, a sort of a, i suppose a journey and and how they can sort of develop this knowledge sort of um for years to come So I know that you're a sort of an advocate of that good old entrepreneurial spirit. Another thing that we're not taught about in school, you know, we're taught about here are the jobs you should do or here, you know, this is and as we know, half the jobs aren't when I haven't even been invented yet. But I know some schools are encouraging kids to sort of, you know, open businesses and sort of, you know, be it, I don't know, sort of, you know, selling stuff to their mates or 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 whatever, whatever the the, the sort of businesses are. But how can we encourage that from from home? How can we encourage our kids to think, yeah, actually, I I can go and sell lemonade or I can start sort of, you know, doing, I was going to say Bitcoin, but let's not even go there. Um, Let's not go there. (laughs) But, but, you know, how how can we encourage our kids to be adventurous um, as far as money is concerned, but not reckless? Yeah, there's a few things.
1: So the first and foremost is we need to accept and understand that our children's approach to work will be vastly different yeah. to how we've ever approached it. Even if, they chart, even if they choose to work in a standard nine to five career path, let's face it, they'll probably end up working from home. They'll have far more time available to them to maybe start a side hustle they should know more about creating a passive income. Um, hopefully, they'll understand more about making their money work harder for them. Um, and they will also probably going to create a variety of revenue streams. That was something that was probably not even talked about 30 years ago when we were at this stage. So I think this is something that can be encouraged from as young as nine or 10. And we can educate them about how to earn money, but also how to make more money from those earnings, um, teaching them how to split their earnings. So spend some, save some, invest some, either long term or reinvesting within yourself. Um, and also something else I like to always talk about is doing something good with it, i.e., you know, charity, charitable work. Um, But there's really no reason why, you know, a 14 or 15 year old can't start their own business and design something and create something to earn some money from. I mean, now we've got Etsy and eBay and lots of other similar platforms. It's really easy for them to find a product or something they're really interested in um, and sell it just the same as it would be for them to start offering a service in the local community, um, it's finding about what they're passionate about and encouraging that within the family and celebrating the success that comes from it. Um, and there are actually a few businesses out there now that um, have this, uh, it's it's like a kids in business, where they're encouraging children to be young entrepreneurs from a really quite a young age, uh, because their approach to work is going to be vastly different to what we know. At the moment,
0: I, and that—that's exactly it. Because I was chatting to a mum on again Clubhouse, and she was saying that her—I think it's her—eleven-year-old daughter has started a business making slime, and she's big on TikTok. And she, you know, and and someone else has, um, someone else on TikTok, some uh, mum's young daughter has, um, is selling a lip gloss. And so they are learning now um, not only about the financial side, but about the marketing and about and, and it's it's a great way of encouraging our kids to learn about networking, learning about putting yourself forward, learning about this sort of public speaking aspect and the financial sort of, you know, the financial savviness. And it's just giving them that opportunity to realize that, yeah, we can to do fun things and make it work for us.
1: Yeah, and for me, it's all about setting them up for their future life, giving them options, exploring the choice that's available to them. Um, you know, I I really hate those things that sort of pop up on our Instagram feed around what do you want to be when you're older—a nurse, a doctor, a vet. You know, all of those careers are still there, but there's so much more choice available to our children now, and all we need to do is encourage that that entrepreneurial spirit. That's I believe. Inside most children, to be honest, even if they are shy um, and perhaps within themselves a little bit, they will have an idea in there somewhere
0: that they are passionate about getting out into the world. Yeah, absolutely, and it is, and it's giving them that springboard, that self belief, and and so that they, yeah, can can, can make those. Make, as you sort of say, because you were sort of saying it is, it's it's knowing now that our kids in the future are going to have I, I mean i i'm sort of calling it a career portfolio and the fact that i mean my kids themselves are doing u-turns sort of you know one sort of, um wanted to do business ended up hosti- hospi- doing hospitality at uni and is now doing um hr and all of this was sort of u-turns but not really actually i think the thing is is what you realize is when you open yourselves up to new things you could say all oh, well, I like doing that and I don't like doing that and it, it's only when we are are creative with our ideas that we are able to follow um a, a more varied path and, and and how wonderful because my generation once you decided where you were going you were sort of stuck really
1: and it yeah is... and I I think we, we've moved away from that exactly. you know it'd be interesting to see what happens with things like career fairs. Because there's that pressure, isn't there? Yeah. on The 14, 15-year-olds, you've got to go on work experience and go to these career fairs and decide what their career looks like. And I think as parents, our responsibility is to say to them, do you know what? Life has ebbs and flows. Things yep. are going to happen and change to you. And the more skills you can pick up along the way is going to help you in the long run because you just don't know where life's going to take you and nothing is forever. No. So even if you choose today that you want to go to university and study and be a doctor and get all your medical exams, that does not mean you're going to do that for the rest of your life. And how wonderful
0: um, that we that our kids now have that freedom. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm jealous. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've taken a number of career turns, but it's been literally it, it's sort of every sort of big decade, every big birthday. Um, and and so sort of, God doing that for sort of ten years, and then finally having the courage to move out. I mean, my son, he he started off as a skiing instructor, and then he went into hospitality, then he went into sales, and now he's doing journalism. And I'm going, oh, you lucky duck, because it's just having all those opportunities and putting more tools in his toolbox, so he is able to you know sort of bring more, just rather than just following one avenue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Variety is the spice of life, as they say. And ultimately, if you are educating your children in that way, and as you say, you know, with your twenty-somethings as well, is still a a message to give them. Then that's just so exciting for the future generations as well, because this is just going to grow and grow and grow. So as we started off at the very beginning, saying that these money lessons all start within our generations and and what we're taught within them. So. Um, it's all within our gift for our future generations, which is which is part of our legacy. Let's face it,
0: it is. So, to, just sort of, sort of briefly now. Just, what, if we have got our kids who are going to have a number of different income streams, you know, be it passive income or sort of, you know, and and we need them to sort of, or they, you know, it, it helps if they can understand to make their money work. What top tip would you give to a, to a young person who has got? So quite a lot going on. you know if they're fortunate enough to to do sort of or maybe even if they're just thinking about sort of you know on the cusp of um sort of developing a different income stream, what advice would you give to them?
1: I think the most important thing they can do is continually review what they're doing with their money, where it's going, what purpose has it got. I really hate wasting money. Um, which is one of the reasons why I don't drink a huge amount of alcohol, because I hate the thought of wasting money on alcohol. And I know we can take great pleasure in that, um, you know, as a lot of people have been doing during lockdown. But for me, that's wasting money. Um, And so if these youngsters can have a look at, okay, this is the money I've got, this is the money I've got coming in, what am I doing with it? Am I enjoying it? Am I saving some of it for my future? Is it adding value to myself as an individual, oh, yeah. or can I do something with it to create more money it's It's giving every single pound a
0: purpose and so it's it's leaving that sort of wage packet mentality behind isn't it it's 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 leaving that behind that sort of getting paid on a Friday with the little brown envelope, and this is all I've got to last me until next friday, and it's just. Having that mentality of creating a brighter future with what you've got at the minute.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the day the day you get paid should be a day you sit down and decide. Right, what do I want to do with this money? Where is it going to go? It shouldn't be about how I'm going to spend it. It should be about which pot it's going in. How is it going to add to my my bigger picture, my bigger goal, um, and then working backwards from there.
0: So, brilliant. My love, thank you. There's there's a lot here and there's a lot for both parents and young people to digest. Um so I, I'm gonna put your sort of details in the show notes and and because I know you run um programs and courses, don't you?
1: Yeah, so I work with parents on a one-to-one basis but I'm also in the process of setting up a workshop type facility where your children can learn about money, but you can learn about money at the same time. So you have that collaborative learning approach within the home. Um, So I I think it's something that's really exciting and could work quite nicely for a lot of families. So it's like a, a membership
0: type thing. Brilliant. So I shall put your Savvy Peacocks information in the show notes for people to be able to contact you. Thanks, Kai. Thank you so much, Laura. That's been absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, a lot of food for thought. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you. Chat soon. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favor, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times and I believe that it takes a village to raise a child and we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes and a good one by the way (laughs) because when you do it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you and as always this comes with much love.